When I look around my little world, I am surrounded by successful, strong, motivated women leaving their mark. From fitness instructors to florists to wedding planners to restaurant owners and everything in between, our state in particular is filled with badass female entrepreneurs. Everyone has a story to tell, a mission, a passion to fulfill, an obstacle or two they had to overcome. They may be living out their dreams or still working to get there. When I hear of like-minded women fulfilling or working towards achieving their goals, there is nothing more motivating or inspiring. This is an outlet for them to share their stories, their truths, their woes and triumphs with all of us. These stories are meant to motivate and leave us feeling empowered and empathetic towards others. Everyone has a story to tell. I'm giving them a way to do it. Chelsea Haynes is a gut health coach in Florida. I originally followed her on Instagram to learn more about gut health because our gut is everything. She has her own podcast, Let's Start Health, where she dives deep into tips for sleeping, stress, the abundance mindset, emotional triggers, and addiction. Chelsea has traveled the world on yachts as part of the crew. Below deck flashes through my head. She relies heavily on her intuition and faith. This is part one of two. We learn more about what got Chelsea to where she is today in this part. What put her on this path to health and healing? This episode is informative and full of good information. So if you have any specific questions or are interested in signing up for her four-week reset or just learning more, you can find her at the Chelsea Haynes on Instagram. Here's Chelsea, part one. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Laurel. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am so good. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you. Yes. Thank you so much for making the time. I truly appreciate you hopping on a call with me all the way from sunny Florida. Very jealous. (laughs) I had the opportunity to sit outside for a few minutes on my lunch break earlier. I find that I often find myself sitting at my desk and in AC all day and all of a sudden halfway half the day goes by. My gosh, it's so beautiful out. So I usually take my lunch breaks outside. So it is gorgeous and sunny down here. (laughs) Right. Good for you. That's, that's nice. My parents are actually in Florida and they're like, there's some kind of heat wave or something Mm -hmm. happening. So, um, nothing like being in 37 degree weather, knowing that there's 89 out there somewhere. Yes. I am truly soaking it up and and loving it. And my mom is in Rhode Island. So she is in that 30 degree weather with you. (laughs) Well, so let's get the start there. You, um, where are you, you know, you're from Rhode Island, right? Yes. So talk about a little bit where you grew up and what childhood was like. Perfect. Yeah. So I grew up in Narragansett, Rhode Island. It's a small beach town across the bridge from Newport. If you've ever been to Rhode Island, I'm sure you've heard of Newport. And it was an amazing place to grow up. But as soon as I turned 18, I was ready to start chasing summer. So I moved to Charleston, South Carolina in 2004 to attend the College of Charleston and was there, graduated in 2008 and continued living in Charleston until 2015. And it's a really interesting blend of growing up a Yankee, yet being a Southern Belle at heart. (laughs) I like to think I have a little bit of the best of both worlds where I'm quite candid and upfront the way we typically are in New England. And I also really, you know, am hospitable and, and I don't know, sunshiny the way that they are in the South. (laughs) 
So what, what made you um, kind of stick there? Yeah, so Charleston is an amazing place. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to visit, but it is definitely a melting pot of people from all over the world. There is a really strong historical culture there. There's an amazing culture of food and beverage. You know, the restaurants are top notch. And I was a bartender through basically all of my college years. That's what paid my tuition. So I was really into the food and beverage scene. I really enjoy good food. And that is always something that has stuck with me. I well as you know a really luxurious glass of wine and pairing that goes along with it so Charleston uh, really it's interesting I fell in love with Charleston as many people say that they do and when I left in 2015 it was I actually wrote a love letter to the city of Charleston thanking it for um, all of the years spent there and all of the things that I learned while living there and uh, I went through a lot during those how long? 11 years that I lived there. Everything from graduating college during that time, learning how to make money and live on my own. And I got mugged by gunpoint at one point. That was a big oh learning curve. And yeah, it was a really interesting time. And then I fell in love um, with a Turkish man. We got married and then subsequently divorced six years later. So of course, that whole journey of self-exploration and healing and discovery. And in 2013, while I was still living there, I became a yoga teacher. And the community in Charleston of yoga is, uh, I mean, it's, it's next to none. I mean, it is truly a beautiful, supportive community and multiple generations now of people who are raising the collective vibration through the practice of, of yoga and mindfulness. And yeah, that's why I never left. On top of that, the weather is really can't be beat right. and there's an amazing boating boating community there and yeah my friends were like my family that's amazing so what made you leave yeah it's a really good question I got divorced in 2015 and it was wild I was driving to the yoga studio one day on my way to teach so if you can imagine here I am going through this divorce you know, and divorcing someone who I truly loved and really thought I was going to spend my life with. Um, we, we divorced in the same way that we got married and that was with love. It just was no longer working. And driving to the yoga studio one day and yoga, teaching yoga really was pivotal in my journey to healing from divorce because that divorce also brought up many, many unhealed wounds that I had experienced as a child when my father and mother got divorced and he subsequently abandoned us and we were homeless and bankrupt. So wow. here I am now all these years later and experiencing divorce in a very different perspective. But I was driving to the yoga studio and showing up for other people was really helping me to stay grounded and not in my head and too wrapped up in my emotions. You know, I, yeah. I really strongly that the only way through it is straight through it, but doing it with a community and with support and getting out of our own heads and showing up to be a support and space holder for other people is a really amazing way to help us heal, right? To add to the greater good. So I'm driving to the yoga studio and, and I honestly, Laurel, I can't explain it other than just this instant loud voice. And the voice said to me, you have to move on to a boat. <laughs> that was it. 
And I thought, what the hell was that? Okay. So, I mean, it was so loud and so strong that I actually pulled over to look up my friend Amanda's phone number. And Amanda had been in the yachting industry for a very long time. And she was now, she and her husband were retired from yachting and now living in Charleston. And at the time she was teaching yoga full-time at the studio that I was also teaching full-time at. And I had read her blog and it was, you know, it was one of those things that had been an interesting journey that she had been on, but it was never anything that I really deeply considered doing myself until all of a sudden this loud voice in my head <laughs> called me to it. So I called her up and I said, Amanda, I, apparently I need to move on to a boat. <laughs> literally flipping the table on my entire life and giving up my full-time job as a yoga teacher and finding someone to cover all of those classes and explaining to my very dedicated students that I was no longer going to be around and teaching yoga in this community that I really had fallen in love with. Was there any time that you just were like, wait, what am I doing? Am I sure what's going on? Uh, Any, any, doubt? No, there was no doubt. It was, I I really, I can only explain it as a time where I was so in alignment with my intuition. I was so trusting of my gut instinct and the greater forces of my good that there was no way that this could fail. And I also knew in the back of my mind that if on the off chance that it did supposedly fail, then I could just move back to Charleston and pick right back up. Like (laughs) it wasn't like, you know, I had a community, I had friends. It was, you know, I was at a transient point in my life where it was as easy to come back as it was to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, And leaving was the only option. I mean, at this point, my ex-husband had started uh, dating someone else and it was, it was very painful and it was a very small Mm -hmm. community and he was very public about it. And I, I mean, I only say that not out of resentment, but just, it was just one of those things where it was in my face all the time. And I was just reminded of the life that I was now grieving, you know, the life that I had planned that I was now grieving, the death of that life, essentially. So yeah, there was no turning back. And then I hopped in a rental car, I sold my car and hopped in a rental and I drove to Fort Lauderdale with one suitcase in the trunk (laughs) and they have what's called crew housing down here in Fort Lauderdale. It's very temporary housing for people who are doing their training. And that was it. I actually was here because I'm an overachiever. (laughs) That goes back to long stories about that we could dive into in regards to self-worth and finding validation from outside sources. But being the teacher's pet was always something that, you know, led to (laughs) finding external validation from others. Mm -hmm. But I got here two weeks prior to my SDCW course. And during that time, I just dove right in. I started doing what's called day work. And there's a few um, websites and crew agents that you can go to as a crew member looking for work. And I got work right away. Of course, my experience in food and beverage and the fact that I was almost 30 years old really worked to my benefit. On top of that, I was also an experienced yoga teacher. So I had a lot of value to offer the industry, whereas Mm -hmm. someone who might have been 10 years younger and didn't have the life experience that I had, um, I I don't know, it might might be different for them. Um, But I started getting work right away. And I actually ended up getting interviewed on one of the most prestigious charter yachts in the industry. And 
they hired me on the spot. And the last four years has been full of adventure and traveling the world on multi-million dollar mega yachts and wow. teaching yoga to the rich and famous. It's been really <laughs> wild. <laughs> so how did this transition into, because you're currently a gut health coach. Yes. How does that transition to that? Yes. So yachting is a really interesting world and it is one that is full of all sorts of rewards and it is full of all sorts of sacrifices as well. Mm -hmm. And I often say if I had gotten into the industry again, 10 years earlier, I would have done it for a lot longer, but at 34 years old now, I'm honestly just tired. My body's tired. Um, I do have what I like to call an autoimmune opportunity <laughs> that I have been holistically managing since high school. I have psoriasis and living in the high stress world of yachting where you are working 14 hour shifts, you are squeezing in time for yourself. You get zero time alone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you really don't have a lot of time to nurture your soul. Mm -hmm when you are working in yachting, I mean, you get to travel the world, you get to see places that you didn't even know existed. You make a lot of money, you have zero bills. So the opportunity to really use it for your benefit. And you know, if, if that is your career choice and you're really looking to work your way all the way up to captain, um, that's, that's one avenue. But for me, that was not the option. For me, it was an opportunity to travel the world and teach yoga doing it. And make some money and have an experience of a lifetime. So about two years ago, I was crossing the ocean and you'd be amazed at how self-reflective one can get when you only see blue skies and blue waters for weeks on end. <laughs> uh, the days kind of turn into each other. And I was, again, it was sort of one of those, I need to become a life coach. <laughs> I don't know. It was sort of just, again, one of those moments of self-realization or mm -hmm. awareness of this is the next evolution. And for me, the term life coach, I was always resistant towards it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's funny because I was also resistant towards ever becoming a yoga teacher. I actually specifically have a profound memory of a time in class thinking, gosh, I, would, I could never be a yoga teacher. That's just too much pressure. <laughs> it's funny how that works. So. I started looking into life coaching programs and then I ended up stumbling upon another term that resonated with me even more. And that was a health coach. Okay. And of course I've shared that, um, I have an autoimmune disease and I also have a degree in psychology and I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. Of course, then when it got to college and I had to pay my own way through that tuition <laughs> wasn't an option <laughs> to go to med school. And honestly, I, I just, I knew that that wasn't my path. So becoming a health coach, which was sort of the beautiful marriage of my fascination and my passion with the human body and its ability to heal combined with my passion for human nature and psychology, that you know, health coaching was just the perfect fit for me. So I looked into a few different courses and it was just very obvious for me that the school that I went to is the Health Coach Institute was 100% the one for me. And 
of course, leave it to me. I, I registered as soon as I got to land because in the middle of ocean, middle of the ocean, your internet service is not so great. And um, yeah, I went through that online course over the next year and I launched my gut health coaching business one year ago, almost now. It was January 2019 when I officially launched my business. So I've, I like to laugh was sort of the year where my business was sort of a hobby and kind of like dabbling in it, but also transitioning out of yachting because I love the industry and it provides so many opportunities. And I was able to manifest a job this summer where I was able to do both. And honestly, that's just, I only say that because that's truly testimony to anyone who might be listening, listening to this, thinking like, well, how do I, where do I even begin? And I would recommend number one, just listen to your gut instinct. And number two, shoot for the moon because you will receive what you ask for. And that's you know what this year has been for me. And now 2020 is the year where I transition from my business being a hobby to a full-time business. And it is rocking and rolling and I feel deeply grateful for it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, I feel like you have a lot of following as far as social media goes already. Um, you, don't, you have a presence uh, for sure. And you, you come across that you've been doing this a lot longer than a year. And it must be your own personal journey kind of tapping into that. That's kind of my takeaways. You have such um, you know, personal experience in this realm that you must just um, exude that. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And yeah, that's, you know, I think when it comes to doing what I do and working with my clients, it's very obvious from the very beginning that the reason why they contacted me or we started working together is because I am extremely passionate. And the reason why I'm passionate is because I am an open book. I am willing to share my entire story. And I do that via both my Instagram, the Chelsea Haynes, as well as my own podcast, Let's Start Health. And you know, I, I really follow Brene Brown. I'm not sure if you've ever had the opportunity to learn from Brene at all, but I would highly recommend listening to, I listened to one of her audiobooks on a long road trip recently, and I think it was called Dare to Lead. Uh, and she has quite a few, but her whole life has been dedicated to the study of vulnerability. And that alone for me, I mean, the courage that it has taken for someone just to say, I'm going to research vulnerability and I'm going to make this my career. <laughs> like, what does that even look like? And how do you support yourself financially on that? So she just inspires me really as someone who's like, this is what I'm passionate about and I'm going to do it <laughs> and I'm going to make money doing it. And I'm going to support myself whilst raising the collective vibration and helping to heal people. But one thing that she says that has always resonated with me is the way to healing is when vulnerability is met with empathy. And that second, that second part is really important because if someone says, for example, if they listen to this and they say, all right, I'm ready to be vulnerable. I'm going to share my story. I would highly recommend being mindful who you share your story with. And this is something also that another teacher of mine, Gabby Bernstein, um, often talks about. And she says, you know, be, be, diligent in your research and be mindful of who you get vulnerable with because if that vulnerability is met with judgment or shame we will continue crawling down that shame cycle for a really long time so 
it's really important to find people who are willing to meet your vulnerability with curiosity and sympathy. And then of course, on an even deeper level on empathy so that way we can collectively heal. And I really believe that's part of the bigger picture of even, for example, this conversation that you and I are having. If someone can walk away from this saying, wow, I resonate with some or all of what Chelsea and Laurel are saying, and it helped to turn my day around or my life around, then well, that's the point, right? <laughs> Accomplished. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a powerful um, little segment there. Uh, <laughs> as far as um, psoriasis and just to kind of get real into it, mm. is psoriasis a kind of symptom from um, autoimmune? Yes. So psoriasis is categorized as an autoimmune disease. Um, modern medicine, which I want to preface with, I am a firm believer in modern medicine. I am a firm believer in medication. And if you are on medication, then bless that medicine. I think oftentimes uh, health coaches and holistic practitioners are sort of categorized into this like, woo woo, you must not believe in antibiotics kind of situation. And that's not the case. <laughs> so unfortunately, modern medicine was established from the war zones, right? Uh, when you look back at the history of medicine, it was birthed originally from herbal medicine. And, you know, it was kind of this weird divide. I mean, you look back, even the early 1900s, 1800s, people didn't have the medicine that we do now. So people really used what nature offered in the form of pain relief and um, bacterial killing properties, right? Mm -hmm. And then we started getting into big wars, <laughs> World War I, World War, World War II, Civil War, etc. And people started having serious issues like legs being blown off and you know, the war zone needing to really dive deep into critical care. And that's really where modern medicine has kind of grown from is the care of acute trauma, right? If I have a broken bone, I'm going to go to the hospital. Or if I have a serious infection, I'm going to go to the doctor and get antibiotics. And I am also going to do what I need to do in order to heal from that round of antibiotics, for example, right? Antibiotics are kind of like dropping a nuke on a city and hoping that you only kill the bad guys. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It kills the good guys as well, as far as gut health goes. So when it comes to modern medicine, they don't know what to do with chronic illness. And you know, the pharmaceutical companies are very open about that, you know, and when it comes to autoimmune diseases, there's a lot of really good research happening out there, but we just haven't quite figured out what to do with them besides put a Band-Aid on the symptoms. So in the case of psoriasis, I was prescribed for my dermatologist steroid creams. And once those steroid creams stopped working or intuitively, I just wanted to wean off of them, you know, the rashes came back tenfold and I just, I was adamant to find another way because the next best option for me in order to prevent this from progressing even further and then potentially even into psoriatic arthritis in my joints, the option given to me by my dermatologist was immunosuppressants. Mm. And again, 
if you're listening to this and you happen to be taking immunosuppressants, bless that medicine. For me, it didn't feel like the right option. And on top of that, I knew that these symptoms must be coming from something deeper. And it's been over, I mean, in 2009 was when I first hired my first holistic nutritionist and health coach. And you know, it, the journey of trying to solve the, <laughs> the root cause of the symptoms has sort of been long and drawn out. But that's also because I was kind of early to the game. You know, back in 2009, 11 years ago now, there, there was not as many, you know, holistic doctors were not as on the scene as they are now. They weren't as well known. I didn't even know where to begin. Like I knew that I didn't want to go see another dermatologist, but I didn't know where to look. I, I really feel like health coaches are now at the forefront of helping to create a paradigm shift in how we treat and care for patients. And it's a much more holistic perspective of mind, body, and soul. Um, but so it started for me again, back in 2009 as, you know, where, where do I go? And the only thing logical in my mind and in my gut literally was, well, this must be something to do with what I'm eating. This must be a food sensitivity. I must be allergic to something. So I was definitely on the right path. Um, you know, I circled that back around because I've been you know, basically exploring gut health for over a decade now. And it started with looking into possible food sensitivities. And the first thing that my health coach and I did was she put me on an elimination diet for three weeks. And the learnings of that program are essentially what has now blossomed into my four-week gut health reset with my you know, loving touch added in there and a few, a few added benefits of technology, which we had technology in 2009, but that just wasn't the format that we used. So I've been able to really take all of the, my personal learnings, as well as my research and my education, um, as well as my knowledge from being a yoga teacher and looking at stress management and how stress management management is a huge key factor in gut health. Mm-hmm. Um, and really incorporated it into this whole one big package. So that was a long answer to your question of is psoriasis, you know, a symptom of autoimmune disease. And that's, it's because it is a long answer and it's because people don't really know what to do with it. So I am still on that journey to healing it. I am now working with a holistic doctor here locally in West Palm beach. Her name is Elizabeth Tringali, um, Tringali health services. And they, we are on a protocol for mold detox because reflecting back where the symptoms started was in high school and stress exasperates the symptoms, Mm -hmm. but it's because there's something underlying in my, in my system. So I've done all sorts of tests and now we are looking at um, mold. And I think it, I think it was mold (laughs) that has buried somewhere deep in my, in my system. And, you know, you can only connect the dots and hindsight is 2020 when we look back at all the dots Um, but here we are now and having the ability now to be here and to go through protocols, which include ozone sauna treatments and IV therapies and, you know, deeper detoxing programs. I'm really interested to see how it all goes. So please follow the journey on my Instagram account, the Chelsea Haynes, because I am sharing it all along the way. (laughs) 
interesting. So have you started the ozone yet? Yes. Yeah, so actually I've been to a couple, I've done a couple treatments. And if you actually, the, today is Friday, February 14th, Valentine's day, happy Valentine's day. Um, so the day that this podcast is being recorded, I actually did one yesterday and I um, shared the journey on my story highlights. And if you go to my Instagram, you can see one of the story highlights there. It's called healing and you can follow the journey on there. It'll be there forever. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. I, I've done a little research on the ozone, so I find it um, very fascinating. Um, yeah. There's a lot of great benefits to ozone. And it's so funny because in college I dated a guy who brought this thing home one day. He was like an entrepreneur at heart and it was meant to be an air purifier, but what it was actually doing was pumping out ozone into the air. And I had forgotten about that thing that he had had until I went to this ozone sauna therapy and I smelled the ozone. And you know how smell flashes us back in time in an instant. I thought, oh my gosh, this was the thing that Nathan had. And apparently breathing ozone is like potentially lethal. <laughs> So we were breathing ozone back in 2003, thinking that it was purifying the air, uh, which is really interesting. But ozone has a lot of beneficial um, elements to it. So I've gotten ozone uh, in the form of an IV. You can also receive ozone rectally, kind of like an enema, but with gas instead of liquid. Um, and they also have ozone saunas, which I just love. It's like getting into this little personal pod and your head is sticking out and your head's supported so you feel really comfy and cozy and you would think that you could possibly get or one might think that they could get claustrophobic but it's have you ever been in a float tank before i haven't but i i'm very familiar yeah it's kind of like that it's sort of like when you first think about it, getting in it might seem a little counterintuitive for someone who could be claustrophobic because it's a contained space. But once you're in it, it is so cozy and sensory deprivating that scientifically, when you look at it, I actually wrote a blog about this, about Epsom salt baths. Sensory deprivation is, brings us back to a parasympathetic rest and digest state because it reminds us of being in the womb. And the ambient noises and the warmth, and in this case, the steam from the ozone, it's, it's all just so cozy. It's like an excuse to unplug and truly meditate for 30 minutes. <laughs> that sounds nice. So tell me about the reset. How um, you're, you have a 14 day, but you also said you have a four week. Yeah, so sorry if that's confusing. So the, the Gut Health Reset is a four-week program. Within that program, for 14 days, we do an elimination diet. And the reason why it's four weeks is because we spend an entire week prepping for the elimination diet. So when I was coming together to formulate this program, which is really my heart and soul in one program, <laughs> um, I reflected back on my time when I did the program in 2009, and I looked at the things that I loved. And I also looked at a few of the reasons that I felt resistant to it or some of the challenges that I experienced during that time. Mm -hmm. And one of them was definitely lack of preparation and not for sake of not having enough information because all of the information was there. It was more of just a timing and mindset thing. So we spent an entire week as a group preparing for the cleanse. So there's different 
practices that we do. We start by clearing out the clutter in our kitchen. Um, we wean off of things like caffeine and alcohol and sugar slowly and mindfully, so it's not a super shock to the system, or so withdrawal symptoms aren't too traumatic. <laughs> um, you know, we really support each other as a group. So this kind of leads into the secondary challenge that I had was I really felt alone during the time. And again, it wasn't for lack of information because, you know, we had during that offering, we had one meeting beforehand and we had one meeting afterhand, um, afterwards. And we were handed a binder that was like, you know, a one inch thick binder that was full of tons of information. And I just felt like the community element was not there. There wasn't a way to talk about what we were going through with anyone else who was going through the program. Um, there wasn't anyone to share recipes with. There, there wasn't a community element of it. So that for me has been one of the biggest things that I've really worked hard to shift and change. And uh, having that community has been one of the biggest you know, testimonies to people's success is having each other, having the account accountability and having the support from each other. Um, and then finally, you know, the third challenge that I had that I really wanted to tackle was this sense of information overload. I just felt so overwhelmed and I got stuck in this place of analysis paralysis <laughs> where I just wanted everything to be perfect. You know, at the time I, I knew how to cook sort of, my mom grew up cooking so I could figure my way around the kitchen. But as far as like following recipes, it was a whole new world for me and I felt extremely overwhelmed. So that big learning curve, I really wanted to shift. So that week one of the program is all meant to establish rules for inevitable success or conditions for inevitable success. Because it's, of course, extremely important to me that if you decide to work with me and go through my programs that you get measurable results because that's the whole point, right? <laughs> so then week two and three are the 14 days of the elimination diet. And I'm happy to share the sensitive seven food groups that we eliminate. These are the top sensitive seven foods that most commonly cause chronic inflammation in the body. So uh, grab your paper and a pen. <laughs> the top sensitive seven foods are dairy, wheat, or gluten, it's also known as gluten, dairy, wheat, soy, all soy products, sugar, and all forms of it, dairy, wheat, soy, sugar, peanuts, corn, and eggs. So that could sound a little bit overwhelming at first because most of the American diet involves multiple of those things every single meal, but I promise that it is not as scary as it seems. And I've created a lifestyle truly that has lasted from this diet. And the fourth week is intended to systematically reintroduce the foods one by one. So one of the reasons why this is so important is because one of the core values that I operate on and that I share with my clients when we embark on a journey like this is that it does not have to be either or life doesn't have to be either or it can be all and more